the reality is problems occur in community. Every community on earth has problems. People make mistakes. Students disrupt our classrooms and bad choices are made. However, What we do in the face of those mistakes and problems is what can build and strengthen our community. So on today's episode, we're diving in to what we can do when some common classroom management issues arise in our math classrooms. This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. Classroom management is something I think we work on no matter what year we are in teaching. We can always get better at communication as humans, and that is what classroom management is. It's the communication of expectations, the communication of the boundaries, and the response or consequences if those expectations are not met. Last week on my Instagram stories, I asked a question and that said, are you still working on classroom management this year or something to that effect? And guess what? Over a hundred people responded and only two people clicked no, both which sent me a message and said, oh no, I clicked that one on accident because we're all still working on communicating our expectations and how we communicate holding that boundary And I'm no exception to that. But one thing I want to share with you that I learned pretty early on in my career was that our job is not to just provide that calm to the chaos in the classroom, but that our job in the classroom is to help our students grow as humans, to grow their character. So Faye and Funk wrote a book called Teaching with Love and Logic in 1995, And they say this, character is built out of a formula that involves three things, a child making a mistake, an adult feeling empathy and compassion for the child, and the child learning from the consequences of his or her actions. The shift in my mindset upon hearing this quote was that the adult feels empathy and compassion for the child. It is really frustrating when kids don't listen, am I right? Or when they do things that are clearly against the norms and expectations of our classrooms. However, everything changed for me in my classroom community when I started looking at their mistakes and their bad choices as opportunities to help them. After all, that's why I'm a teacher. I like to help kids. So 
after I learned about teaching with Love and Logic, I dove all in. In fact, my school was doing a whole school-wide thing. And the further that I got into the work, I noticed that Faye and Funk talked a lot about preserving or enhancing self-concept. Self-concept is the way we see ourselves, the beliefs that we hold about who we are. I also like to think about it like dignity, right? It's how we feel we are worthy of respect. And these are two things that we really need to consider when we're redirecting or managing a classroom of students. Because the weight of this work is real. Now, let me pause and say that this is not me up on my high horse. I am a yeller, okay? (laughs) I'm just going to be honest with you on Honest Math Chat. And I truly lost like the top octave of my voice in my first year of teaching because I yelled. I did not know how to get kids to do what I said. So I yelled. I tried to be firm and it never worked. So I lost my voice. It did work in the short term because kids would stop, see me yelling, hear me yelling and losing my shit over there. Right. And they'd stop and look. And now looking back on it, I see that it was silly and embarrassing. However, there's nothing I can do about the past. It is about the choices that I make going forward. It's about the choices we make going forward. And luckily for myself and my students, I learned a better way. One where community was prioritized and my students' feelings of safety and belonging were of utmost importance. One where I started to see their mistakes as opportunities to help them learn and grow their character. So before we get much more into this, let's make some agreements on classroom management and how we're going to approach our community building. I've got four for you. Let's agree that all students can be in control of their behaviors. This goes with my top priority of all time, which is all students can. All students can learn math. All students can be in control of their behaviors. Agreement number two is that we, the adults, are here to help students through their mistakes with empathy. Number three that giving students choice provides them with agency and dignity. And number four is that we will do something and students understand that choices result in consequences, both positive and negative. And what I mean by that one is that when we see something happening, we have to do something. And that means committing to do the work, right? And committing to having the conversation, committing to pulling that student at recess and having the conversation, even though we could be doing something else. So those are the four agreements that I hope you'll join me in as we dive further into what classroom management and community building can look like in math. Okay, I'm resisting the urge to jump right into some scenarios that I want to talk about. But first, I want to talk about some just overall tips for issues that arise in our classrooms. My first tip is to scan the pool. This is like the lifeguard, right? So imagine that your class is in front of you and you are the lifeguard, either sitting up on that little lifeguard stand or standing at the edge of the pool. And your job is to just scan back and forth, making sure everyone is following the rules and doing what they're supposed to do and no one's drowning, right? 
So this is something that I do often in my classroom. And in fact, it's I do it so often that it's just second nature. When I'm around kids in general, I'm just scanning the pool. And then when you see a kid flailing, let's say, right? So you're the lifeguard and you see a kid who's flailing around and are they drowning? The next tip is to seek to understand first. Before the lifeguard jumps into the pool to save that child who they think is drowning, they watch them for maybe even just three more seconds to find out what's going on. And when they do, they see, oh, that child's flailing because they're playing a joke on their friend, right? They're not actually drowning. They were just being silly and playing around. Now, the lifeguards still might need to do something about that. They might still need to go and talk to the kid and say, hey, that's not safe. Let's not pretend like we're drowning, whatever, right? But the same thing applies in our classroom. You're scanning the pool, you're scanning the classroom, and you see a child is getting their cell phone out, right? They're not doing their work. They have their cell phone stashed in their desk, and they're scanning, like, or not scanning, they're scrolling on their phone. Okay, first, you seek to understand and you see, okay, cell phone. I could go over there right now and I could rip it out of the kid's hand and I could send it to the principal's office, right? Or I could just watch for a second. And I see that they're putting it away. Okay, so now I can make a decision on how I'm going to go over there and handle it, right? They took their phone out for a minute, scrolled and put it back away. So when I understand what's going on, when I take a second to pause, I can then make a choice about my response. All right, more on that in a minute. (laughs) But my next overall tip is to give your students voice. Give them a chance to explain what they're doing. Talk to them, right? I think a lot of times we're looking to calm that chaos. So we are giving out directives instead of letting our students have voice. And what goes along with that is providing choice. So I like to think of it as like filling the tank, okay? So I provide my students with lots of little choices throughout the day so that when I make a dip into that tank by asking them to stop doing something, I've filled it up with enough positive interactions, enough choice so that they have that agency that when I... I don't give them a choice and I just ask them to do something that I've already filled the tank. So for example, I might give students small choices throughout the day, right? Do problems one through five in any order, right? Or you can work at your desk or the carpet. You can choose your partner, whatever those things are. Use a pen or a pencil. Real choices, but that have really no implication on the learning necessarily. And then when I say, okay, you, you're not being productive in this space, go back to your seat. They don't feel like they, their agency or their dignity is gone because I have given them the respect of allowing them to make a lot of choices in our community. But now is the time where I'm giving them that direction. You don't get a choice in this matter. All right. The other overall tip I have is to deliver delayed consequences. Now, this one could be a little controversial because people say like, no, they need consequences right in the moment so that they can link their behavior to their consequence. And I agree with that to some extent. However, 
I think there's this. You're in a scenario where a kid just called you a name, right, in front of the whole class. And you are not going to grab that kid. Well, you're not going to grab him. You're not going to take that kid straight to the principal's office right at that moment, right? You need to continue to teach your class. But you also need to diffuse this problem of this child who's being disrespectful. So what you're going to do is you're going to delay the consequence. You might say something like, oh, no, that is so sad. And I'm going to have to do something about it. But not now. Later. Okay. Now, this might sound a lot of different ways, and it's going to sound different for different um, scenarios. But remember, a child makes a mistake, and our job is to show empathy and help them learn from that mistake. So utilize calm down time. That child now needs to go to the take a break space, right, to calm down. Something happened to make that kid think it was okay to use that language in your classroom, They need to go to that space and calm down. And when it's a good time for you, you will talk through that issue with the student. I think it's really helpful to think about, like, what would you do in this scenario and kind of work through it? So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to go through some common scenarios and we're going to walk through kind of six steps, okay? So the first step is scan the pool and identify the problem. Then the second step is seek to understand what's going on. That's where I observe and ask questions, really allowing the students to have a voice in that if it's productive. You know what I mean? Number three is then using enforceable statements, okay? So this is like we sit during grapple time. Students who want to participate put their thumb on their knee. Or I'll call on you when you're in your seat in calm. Or you can go to the bathroom once you've completed the first problem. And then if the behavior continues, I give a choice. So I might say something like, I notice you still haven't started your work. You can start your work now or you can do this during choice time. Or maybe I'll say something like, You continue to call out and not raise your hand. So you can go and take a break in this, take a break space to regroup, or you can raise your hand to speak. Okay. If the behavior continues, I then move on to step five, which is give students a prompt to take a break. So I might say something like, please go to your seat, or you can come back when you're ready to raise your hand and speak. Notice how now this is not a choice. And then six is probably the most important part, which is follow up. So for most kids, the last step here is the consequence, right? Having to be removed from the group is a consequence. So now it's all about breaking it down and talking about what happened and how we will learn from it. So that might sound like, so you were feeling really talkative today in class and then you got sent back to your seat because you kept calling out. What do you think about that? And then here the student will either take responsibility for their actions or require you to have a more focused restorative conversation. So be like, yeah, you were mad that you had to leave the carpet. 
I understand that being excluded doesn't feel good. Do you have any ideas of why I had to ask you to leave? You know, it's my job to keep everyone safe and learning. And you calling out was distracting students from learning. They weren't given a chance to think because you were yelling out the answers. So what could you do next time to stay at the carpet with us? If the student doesn't answer, then you might say something like, would you like to hear some of my ideas about that? Okay, so this is not a perfect system or process, but it's a start. And maybe you already do parts of those things, but maybe not all of them. And maybe you use some similar language. I encourage you to keep in mind those guidelines that we talked about, right? Preserving students' dignity, expressing empathy, giving students voice and time to participate in the conversation, and providing those mini choices so when you make your requests, you've already filled the tank. Allow students to take a reset okay, without consequence. I also want to talk real briefly about that. This is often how you avoid giving consequences. When you ask students to take a break, it's not a timeout. It's just a break to breathe and refocus. Have a space in your classroom or a few spaces and make sure you teach students how to use that space. Okay, let's move on to the scenarios. So this is a common scenario. Um, a child won't solve the problem or they, a student doesn't know how to get started, right? Number one, observe and ask. So we're going to find out what's going on. The second step is to then provide some support at helping that student understand the problem and ensuring that it's not a math-related issue. Right. Then number three is that's where we're going to offer that break. Give the choice. Go ahead. Take a break if you need to. If not, get started. And then number four would be something like, OK, we will have to talk about this at recess because you're choosing not to participate and grow your brain. So we'll have to do this later. Something like that. Right. So that's that delayed consequence. If the student sits and doesn't do their work for the whole period, you will do something, right? At recess, you're going to have your follow-up debrief conversation, and then they're going to work on their math work. Is it going to be harder during recess? Yeah, because that support isn't there. But hopefully, after reflecting, they can think about what they're going to do differently next time. All right, here's another scenario. Students are distracting others by chatting. We know this happens all the time, right? So number one, observe and ask. So gather information about what's going on. Number two, provide a choice with an enforceable statement. So something like, you're welcome to stay with us here working as long as you and others are not being bothered, okay? they still talk. All right. Move their seat is number three. You would say something like sit here. And when I see you're working calmly without distracting others, I will allow you to go back to your original seat. And then debrief. So this is where 
not at this moment when it's all happening, but at the end of class, at choice time, at recess time. You call that student over and you talk about that scenario. So you might be thinking like, yeah, Moda, that sounds great, but I've got about 10 kids that are doing this. You want me to have 10 conversations during recess? And the answer is yes, <laughs> because when you have that conversation with 10 kids on Monday and maybe eight kids on Tuesday and seven kids on Wednesday and back to 10 kids on Thursday, you will start to see improvement. It might not feel like it in the moment, but when students see that you will do something and you will follow through, and it will be logical and empathetic and all with the help of helping them get better, students will see that they have to change their behavior because you're not going to stop helping them. And it can all be in under that guise, right, of like, hey, I'm here to help you. So if you struggle every day with chatting instead of doing math, I'm going to help you every day. And then by Friday, if you've helped the same kid every single day and things are not getting better, you might say to that student on Friday during your debrief conversation of, you might say, you know, I'm frustrated that I keep having this conversation with you. You keep telling me you're going to do something different. And then when it becomes math time, it's the same thing. You know, I really think that maybe we need to get your family's help. Maybe they have some ideas of what might help you. And I just want to make sure we're all on the same page because it's important that your family knows that you're not getting your math work done here at school. And so you can say, I'm going to call your mom, but you can say it in this way of like, hey, we're all here and we're trying to help you improve. Okay, let's go through a couple more scenarios. So let's say a student is avoiding their work by asking to go to the bathroom or getting a drink. So you're going to observe and ask and gather that information. And then you're going to provide some support with understanding the problem. So you might say, you know, hey, let's sit down and work through that first problem together. Make sure that you're ready to start. And then you might use an enforceable statement and say something like, feel free to go to the bathroom after you've completed the first two problems, right? And then you're going to debrief at a later time. And this one specifically requires you to kind of get to that root cause. Because if they're avoiding math, you really want to have a restorative conversation that makes sure that the student knows that they're not in trouble, but that you're there to help them. And I'm going to do a video training on these types of conversations in my Facebook group. It's called Math Teachers Honest Math Chat, and you can search for it or use the link in the show notes here um, to join us. And I'll do a live training on that so that we can talk through some more of those scenarios. All right. What about when students are misusing manipulatives, like throwing them or building with them? All right. Four steps. Number one, observe and ask. Number two, enforceable statement. We use our manipulatives like this, and you show them. Or you might say something like, we use our manipulatives quietly as tools, right? You can use them properly, or I will have to take them away. 
kind of giving that choice. And then if they continue, you take the manipulatives away. And then the most important step, that debrief later. Hey, during math today, I had to take away your connecting blocks. And that's a big concern for me because those are essential to building your math understanding. What was going on? And then they're going to say, like, I was, don't know, I was just playing with them. And you're going to say, yeah, you, I noticed you were extra playful. What are you going to do differently tomorrow, right? And you're going to have that debrief and that goal setting to help students do differently the next time. Okay, let's see. Let's do one more. What if a child is just like wandering around the room during group work, or if you're using the building thinking classrooms during vertical whiteboard time, what if they're just like not with their group and they're wandering around? You're gonna observe what they're doing, who they're talking to, what they're doing when they're wandering around, and ask them what's up. Then you're gonna use an enforceable statement. You are welcome to learn with us at the whiteboards or in our small groups, as long as you and others are not being bothered. If they continue to bother kids or wander or distract others, move them to an independent seat away from others. And you can say something like, hey, I've noticed that you're still wandering and disrupting other groups. You're gonna work here until I can see that you're calm and working, and then I'll consider letting you rejoin. And then at a later time, you're going to do step four, which is debrief, and really dig in to that reflection and thinking about action steps for moving forward and what the student's going to do next time. Okay, I feel like we covered a whole lot in this episode of stuff that we just like all struggle with, right? And every day something new is going to pop up and you're going to be feeling frustrated and wishing that this mistake wasn't happening right now. Am I right? But if you can remember those four steps, observe and ask, provide a choice with an enforceable statement, and then take action, move their seat, send them to take a break, right? And then number four, debrief that situation at another time. So if you can remember those four steps, I hope that you can find some calm and peace while you continue to build your math community, because that's what it's all about, is taking our students from where they are, their mistakes and their imperfections with who they are right now and helping them build their character and their skills and their math proficiency to become better people and better mathematicians. Well, that was your dose of Honest Math Chat for today, friend. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared this podcast with your friend, or leave a comment. If you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions, go grab it, monamath.com discussions. And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friends.